Welcome to Talking Giants, presented by John Boy Media. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with my co-host, Justin Pennick. Got a little bit of a lot of it to get to in today's episode. The Giants hired an offensive line coach in Rob Sale, which we'll end up, we'll start with. Uh, and we actually have a 10-minute interview with, with Tim Buckley, who covered the University of Louisiana Lafayette Raging Cajun. Great name. And then we're going to get, we're going to squeeze our inside linebacker review in. We're trying to get these position reviews in. Um... So we got, you know, I think we're going to do two more after this. O-line review next week. And then uh, QB, we'll, we'll do the Daniel Jones year in review. So we're we're trying to squeeze this one in here inside linebacker. Um, plus, this was supposed to be a voicemail episode. And, I mean, our plan was voicemail mailbag unless the Giants hire an O-line coach. And they did hire an O-line coach. Justin, how are you doing? Hey, Bobby Skinner. Um, Post-Super Bowl episode, it's a shame we can't really talk about it a lot. Um, I kind of have some thoughts on how it could connect to the Giants. But... Talking football next year, Ho- hopefully. God, God willing, we're doing talking football next year, so get excited for that. Um, I'm good. I'm good. We hired an offensive line coach. There's news happening. There's things happening. Even when the NFL is dead, it's never technically oh, dead. There, there, there really is no dead period in the NFL to me. It's, there's two weeks, and it's in, the, it's, the, it's in July. It's the end of all OTAs and the beginning of camp. That is the dead period in the NFL because draft prep is – you're basically like year round, you know, like, you know, draft prep, as soon as your season's over, it's like, you got to start prepping for the draft. So we have, I mean, free agency is in like less than a month, maybe a little longer than a month, but free agency is coming up then the draft. I mean, it's nonstop for us, man. And I wouldn't have it any other way. The dead period in July is where guys get arrested. That's true. Um, <laughs> I mean, that's my, that's when we, you know, we do our 4th of July mail, but like, that's our vacation week, which we will be taking some sort of real vacation this year, so that'll be cool. I think I might just have you and Danny just come down to where I live, and we'll, I'll get you guys a hotel room on the beach. How about that? Oh, Say no more. I'm serious. It's not even. I'm not even trying to be like joking. Like that's. I think that's a good plan. So, all right, Justin. This episode was brought to us by one special person, and he, out of the special, the specials, he's special because he he gave a little extra. Um, it's Anthony Peters, Tony Peters. Peter Piper picked a pecker. Mm. Justin, who is this Pedro? Anthony Peters, this wonderful person, went to patreon.com slash talking giants and generously gave most likely more than $2, but $2 is the minimum requirement. $2 per month, and you get to hang out with us live um, as we record some of our shows, and you get access to some shirt raffles plus stickers. Stickers, Bobby Skinner sends you free magnets, not not just stickers, stickers, magnets, whatever. Patreon.com slash Talking Giants, we have a lot of fun. Bobby Skinner, you are muted. So you get a free magnet. I'm not, and this, now, the being a patron doesn't mean you get the new batch of stickers, unfortunately. Um, but there is a new batch coming in, and I think I'm, I'm addicted to making Talking Giants versus the World stickers. Yeah. Um, it's almost to the point where it's like I want bad things to happen to us, so we can just be like, "See, no. versus the world." No, we we had some we we had some bad things ha- ever since I asked the question on the show. Well, I don't know if it was two weeks ago, three weeks ago. Ever since I asked the question, well, who exactly in the world is against us? I've had a good week, but we had a bad like stretch of two weeks where some things out of our control were happening, and I'm like, oh. I know exactly who is against us. It it is actually the world. So no. <laughs> All right, let's no. let's uh <laughs> let's get into the O line coach. The Giants hired yeah Rob Sale, offensive line coach. He's forty one years old. He was actually offensive lineman, uh, offensive line coach of the year. Justin, his resume. He played uh guard and center at LSU from ninety eight to two thousand two. Um, then you know coached my high school ball, and then from two thousand seven to two thousand eleven, he was with Alabama as their strength and conditioning coach, and 
They're an offensive assistant. Guess who he met there, Justin? Our Burton Burns. good friend of the program. Uh, oh, Burton Burns, yeah. <laughs> no, Joe 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 Judge. He, that's where you know Joe Judge talks about. Hey, like you, you there's got to be some type of connections uh, when you're hiring your guys. You got to you got to be comfortable with who you know. Um, which we'll talk about with hiring college coaches. Why I do like the idea of hiring college coaches. Um, he was there. Then he uh, was the McNeese uh, State offensive line coach from 2012 to 2013. And then in 2014, had the offensive coordinator tag added on there. Uh, then he went to Georgia, was the offensive line coach there in 2015. Mark Rick was fired. He uh, was not retained. Went to O-line coach Louisiana Monroe for 2016. And then Arizona State offensive line coach and run game coordinator 2017 with Billy Napier, who took the job at... Louisiana Lafayette Raging Cajuns from 2018 to 20. And he was the offensive line coach and the offensive coordinator. Rob Say was the O-line coach, offensive coordinator. Although he was not calling the plays. Billy Napier was calling the plays. Justin, you'll hear in the interview, it was a thought that Napier and him were a team and they were going to go somewhere else. You know, they, you know, those guys had interviewed for other jobs. You know, Rob Say on his own interviewed for the LSU coach. In fact, you know, Joe Judge was this close to being the Mississippi State head coach last year. Billy Napier also um, was was interviewed for that. So, Justin, we'll talk about more about his resume and everything he's done. But I'm glad we got a guy, and I love that we're getting these college guys. Joe Judge talks about teachers, and I think college coaches have more of a teacher's role because sometimes, you know, you're building these guys, you know, technique from especially the offensive line position from the ground up. It's like you know, you get a guy in there, it's like, man, you are a project, and we have to work on you. So I like this idea of co- of hiring these college coaches that that has worked it seemed to work out so far for uh joe judge yeah we get frustrated in the nfl with the retread head coaches right and i can maybe even imagine there's a little bit of frustration now i don't know how you can ever sense this because we don't know positional coaches like at the end of the day we're not going to know who rob sale is or what he is about it's helpful that we have an interview but we're not going to know it like the back of our hands you know, because he doesn't have the the biggest track record. I mean, he he was a play caller. So, Bobby, I actually wasn't am looking forward caller. to. You. I'm looking. What was that? Wasn't the play caller. Was not the play caller. But I'm looking forward to hearing your kind of thoughts on the way that he lined up some of his offensive linemen, whether that has any significance or not. But in terms of bringing in college coaches and the and the Joe Judge having that repetition in his staff, you would think good teachers are adaptable, right? Or part of why you get frustrated with certain coaches in this league is that they do not adapt. Mm-hmm. You know, even even the Giants' offense in the middle of the year, whether it was a you know, no matter how frustrating it was to watch, they did kind of adapt. Even Jason Garrett adapted a little bit once Week 17 came along. You know, better late than never. Um, especially when Freddie Kitchens came around to Cleveland, they were they were calling for a little bit more deep concept. So Joe Judge adapted, and even the offensive line adapted. Uh, towards the middle of the year, the running game. Adapted. Oh yeah, the, the running, running game, game was com- overhauled around week yeah. six, week seven. For the, I mean, I'm and I, I don't say that. Like, it's not just oh they they got better, and when I say overhauled, does mean oh the offensive line got better at blocking? Like, no, the run scheme was overhauled, and you know I I think that was the most credit I ever gave Garrett. And then looking back, I do think Judge had more some more influence on that than um I originally thought. I was actually watching some um of the Miami offensive scheme, uh. For you know, I thought Chad O'Shea was going to be the offensive coordinator. To be on, to be to be completely honest with you, I thought Chad O'Shea was going to be the OC this year. So I was watching Miami's offense, and it was a lot of stuff that the Giants implemented in the middle of the season. So I think a lot of that had to do with Dave DiGuglielmo actually being, you know, before he was actually hired. I'm pretty sure that he was in Judge's ear for a few weeks, and I think that had mm-hmm. something to do with it. So, but um, nonetheless, uh, it didn't make a change, and 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 I like that he's a teacher. Um, now, the one thing I want to say before you continue a little bit about him, and this is what, you know, maybe we'll ask um, when we have an interview. Hopefully, hopefully we do have it. The one thing that I do want to ask with somebody with a little bit more knowledge is what is the impression of this hire? Was this hire made, you know, because they wanted to be patient and because they wanted to find the right guy? And this was their guy that they, you know, that Joe Judge wanted, that the Giants wanted? Or was this hire made that, you know, a lot of the coaching staffs are already put together, Bobby. I'm pretty sure a lot of them are already put together. You know, the Super Bowl just ended. Or was this hire made not as a panic hire, but 
eh, we kind of just need to get something done. What is the impression within the organization? I don't know. And that's honestly the one thing that I'm curious to hear about just like an uh, inside the organization kind of deal. I mean, we heard that, you know, and, and it was reported that the interview process was, was pretty extensive for, for this spot. So, um, and, and these, these changes, it's not crazy for this to be happening at this time of the year. So, um, who he is though, Justin, um, well, one, when I first saw, there's two people I follow that I, I really like on that do O-line stuff. One is Duke Mayweather who does, you know, he actually works with a lot of the young offensive linemen. Um, I, I, I expect him. And then Brandon Thorne, who does offensive line content, like content. Both these those guys loved him, which was a good sign. And it's ba- basically, he's a developer of talent. Like, he has a good track record of developing. Like, both those guys um, go to battle for him. Um, and he had two people in last year's draft. Um, uh, Robert Hunt, who was drafted in the second ra- round for, by the Miami Dolphins. And then Kevin Dotson, the fourth round by the Steelers, who, who ended up playing for them. Um, and then there was one a couple years ago with, with the Colts out of Arizona state, but he was only there for one year. So I, I didn't harp on that and that, that he really developed those guys and, you know, coming from a small school like Louisiana, um, Lafayette to get, you know, two guys on the second round pick and a fourth round pick is, is pretty, is pretty cool to see that type of development with those guys. Um, and the fact that a little, you know, this is, it's a small school and to have, you know the top O line guys being willing to vouch for this guy, like, oh, this guy's legit. I th- I feel like that means something with Robert Sale, so that that says a lot to me. Um, stats wise, uh, in 2020, because he was the offensive coordinator, but he wasn't calling the plays, but he was the offensive coordinator. Um, Lafayette, or you know, Louisiana, they like to run the ball. The Raging Cajuns, they like to run the ball. They average 213 uh, rushing yards per game, 5.5 yards per carry. Um, the year before that, 257 yards per game, 6.3 yards per carry. Passing, not as many yards, two, 208 uh, yards per game. And then 2019, uh, 236, 7.4, and then 8 yards per attempt in both. And then the number, which I ended up screwing up because their website kind of sucks with stats, but I, I uh, corrected myself later. Last season, uh, and they went 10-1 and one and 11-3 the last two seasons, by the way, too. They had 9 sacks in 11 games. That's really good. Especially for college football, where you have college offensive linemen and not you know not out you not Alabama to have that, and then the year before, fifteen sacks in fourteen games. That's those are really good numbers, Justin. I mean, compare that to the Giants, who had fifty sacks in sixteen games. That's over three sacks per game the Giants had this season. While um, uh, you know, coach coach Rob Sale, his offensive linemen the last two years have given up less than one sack per game. So that's, I mean. Now, you can't just go off the stats. It's a lot more nuanced than that. But mm-hmm. it's a good sign. It's a good sign. Because at first, when I saw the stats, um, I accidentally saw the opponent's stats because their website's not that great. I was like, mm, that's not great. And then you see the real numbers. <laughs> like, oh, that is that is great. That that actually is a great number. So uh, the numbers look good. The main thing is I need to really look into the whole – pass block win rate and how much of it does how much of that actually does correlate to positive and good offensive line play you know because especially if you know if there's one thing that we learned from Super Bowl Sunday so here we go here's a natural trend kind of transition to Super Bowl Sunday and then relating it to the Giants offensive line that's a big topic happening right now oh you know Matt Patrick Mahomes even though he's a mobile quarterback and even though he can run outside the pocket um, with bad tackles you saw what he did and yes that is that certainly is true and, you know, the, the the stat that came out was the, the terrible pass-blocking win rate that the Chiefs had. Well, the Giants were less than the NFL in pass-block win rate this year. Um, and even though we felt like, you know, Daniel Jones was holding onto the ball a long time because nobody was open, you know, I, I need to look more into that stat if in terms of are we going to actually legitimize it instead of me just dismissing it. Because the Giants, they, they need to improve in their blocking. They need to, like flat out. Yes, Daniel Jones may need to get rid of the ball a lot quicker, and that has a lot of influence on, you know, how much pressure is, you know, given up by the offensive line when the quarterback releases the ball. But also, this offensive line as a whole does need uh, a lot more refinement. Um, you, you you felt good about the run game. Um, you, you still want it to be more consistent, but especially in pass blocking, Bobby. That's the stat that comes out of Rob Sale um, that I really like, and he can and he can work on. Does this relate to? I kind of want to let you talk if maybe if you have something else you want to say, but I kind of does this relate to the whole space in between 
the center point that you were that you were bringing up on the social medias today. No, that that's um, no. I just thought that was something interesting. Some coaches do stuff like that. Like, you know, I did a Judge Wills. It's just it's just an interesting point. Um, like Judge Wills, like the Browns, their their spacing is super wide, where the Giants is very tight, which is more conducive to double teams. But the Browns spacing is more conducive to getting outside. Um, and, and different stuff. So it's different, different coaching point, you know, uh, styles for different coaches. You know, it's not the same. So does he have the tendency to go a, li- a little wide, at least in college? It's high. It's honestly, it's 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 a very it's a very diverse passing game. I mean, it's it's high. It's a high pace um, offense, quick hitting, like hurry up offense, and it's a lot of zone. Now they pull and stuff here, and I went and watched actually some Georgia film, and they were pulling a little more than they did at Lafayette. But I wouldn't get too caught up in scheme wise because he's not going to be putting right. together the scheme. Um, you know, he's going to be more, t- he's going to be teaching the technique. And that's where you're talking about where the Giants need to improve. Well, let's talk about it. Andrew Thomas is 22. Shane Lemieux is 23. Nick Gates is 25 and coming off his first year at center. So he might as well be 21 years old. Will Hernandez is 25. Matt Paird is 23. And then you have Kevin Zeitler, who's 30 years old. We, we don't know what happened with Cam Fleming. It's a young offensive line. Like it's, it is, it's, I should have done this research before, but it's the probably it might be the youngest offensive line in the NFL. It is a young group, and Andrew Thomas, you know, I was he was I was his biggest fan. In the draft process, admittedly, he was wrong. Like you know, even in that, it's like he's wrong. He has stuff to work on, and he definitely improved. You know, um, in the second half of the season compared to the first half of the season, big time. Shane Lemieux, I like Shane Lemieux. He's got some stuff he has to work on. He has to get better. Gates, you feel good, but there's always room for improvement. Will Hernandez, uh, I don't know how much improvement he's going to have. And then Parrot, Parrot, Parrot has all the tools. He's got room for improvement. So Rob said, if you're going to be a teacher, you're this coach, you're this O-line coach of the year, you've got a good track record development, time to develop, man, because you got yourself a project with this young group. I think it's a pro. I think the guys, the right people are, are in place right now. I really do. Um, right tackle is is a hole right now because we don't we can't really project what Parrot's going to be, and you have no idea if they're going to bring Fleming back or, or somebody else. Um, so right tackle is a hole, but I think everything else is in place going forward. Andrew Thomas is the left tackle going forward. Nick Gates is the center going forward or or a starter. Um, Shane Lemieux is the starter going forward. Will Hernandez I think should be Zeitler. We don't know what's going to happen with his contract, but if he's here, he's going to play. So you kind of have the pieces in place for the offensive line with right tackle being a question mark at the at the moment. So you got yourself a project, Rob Sale. Let's see what you can do because it's hard for us. You know, like we're going to give you as much information on this guy, but at the end of the day, unless you're at practice and or been around, you know, the team, it's hard to really. I can't really give you the whole lowdown on Rob Sale. We'll, we'll try a little bit in the interview, but um, yeah. <laughs> Show us, show us what you got, Rob. Say, I'm excited to, see, I'm excited to see who you are. So, I had some fun with Rob Sale's name today because I think it's funny. I think it contradicts itself because, like, Rob the Sale, and then I, I I'm gonna read some replies that I got because it was, it was very, it was very good. Uh, Pavel Vob, who's a very good Giants analytics follow. Even if something is on sale, you still pay for something. If you rob it, it's free. Food for thought. So I, I think his name contradicts itself, Rob Sale. But then also, because I saw that he was offensive coordinator, now you let me know that he's not a, that he wasn't a, the primary play caller. So I had people think of like the best Rob Jason Garrett of the job jokes at the you know to during the 2021 season. And Chris Mickle, I think, had the best one. If the O-line improves, it would be an easy sale to judge to let Rob, Rob Garrett of his job. We're trying. I'll, I'll, I'll give everyone effort for that. We're trying out here. This was a common trend last year. Now, Columbo was bald. He left, obviously. And now Rob Sale is also bald. Can you name the rest of the Giants coaching staff? Now, this is just coordinators and position coaches can you name the rest of the coaching staff who is also bald freddie kitchens is bald tyke tolbert is not bald Mm. um burton burns Ah. has burton burns has old man like little spikes coming out of his head no not burton burns um kevin sherrer is bald jerome henderson's bald yes um 
Sean Spencer. Sean Spencer is not bald. No. Nope. You're forgetting. You're forgetting a a, a big. You're forgetting the only quarterback. Oh, Who's Thomas McGahey. I, I was thinking of position Thomas coaches. McGahey. All right, you got everybody. Tyke Tolbert is bald. By the way, you said he wasn't bald. He is. Hmm. So, so Tyke Tolbert, Freddie Kitchens, Jerome Henderson, Kevin Scherer, Thomas McGahey, and now Rob Sale all got a bald head. I wouldn't fit and in well. No, no, no. You have a beautiful head of hair. People that people that want to hire you for the offensive line coach, Bobby does not fit the criteria of the Giants coaching staff because there's a good chance you need to be bald to to fit the job. Um, a lot of people, a lot of people also made some good jokes. I'm gonna find it. Joe Judge can't have guys on his staff worried about brushing their hair. Takes away focus from what matters. That is true. Bald mm. power. Bald guys know how to adapt. I don't think you can say bald power. Bald power. No, you can't. I just, you know, you know me. I'm the furthest thing from woke, but I feel like you mix like something power and then bald people like skinheads. Yeah, I, I could see I, how that's You can that's say an it. Issue. I'm just joking, but. Uh, but I, I could see it though. I mean, the, it's crazy. But just that be you careful you, how you do it. That's what I'll say. We have a, bald power. We have a tendency to turn everything into an issue. But um, yeah, Nick Bronson said my favorite. Bald guys know how know how to adapt to less than ideal circumstances, which I thought was a perfect way to put it. Like that's why you like you're you know how to be a coach. No, I just think they have horrible. I I I, I rebuke that actually. I you know long hair people. It's like we have to. We're the ones that have to deal with stuff. We have to. Actually, worry about our hair in the morning, and and That's true. you know, it's like, hey, I, you know, when you shower is a, it's it's important when you shower, because you can shower at night. Yeah. That's awesome. You shower at night. Guess what? Your hair is screwed up in the morning. So it's yep. like, okay, like you gotta you know, gotta plan when you work out. Um, so you know, usually for me, it's like, hey, you know, I usually probably now that I'm working from home, I'll shower probably around five o'clock in the afternoon, or mm-hmm. sometimes I'll be right in the morning, or it's like, hey, I got to go outside and work. Um, on Wednesday, you know, I will shower in the afternoon. So it's, I, I, I rebuked it. I think it's the exact opposite. It's, I think it's easy having short, whenever I do buzz my, like shave my head, I always remember it's like, Oh my gosh, it's so much easier. It's like, I just put a yeah. drop of shampoo in my hand and I'm good. Rob sale, not the most thrilling dude, not the most thrilling guy, the most entertaining line that I could get out of him. Um, was the following there's no videoed interviews for the last five years for on him uh, yeah it's crazy it, everything i had to go back to everything from georgia body shot after body shot after body shot that's the most entertaining line i can get out of him not the most not goosh he's not a goosh no nope, no nope. <laughs> he's uh he's very he's very quiet but we hear yeah. that he's pretty friendly from the interview all right let's kick it to the interview and then we'll do our linebacker review on the end we got from the daily advertiser tim buckley Come on, pay attention in there. Let's go. We got a beautiful day. Work. Play fast. Play fast. Whoa. Ah. All right, we now welcome on to the show. He covers uh, the Louisiana Raging Cajun for the Daily Advertiser, Tim Buckley. Tim, one, I appreciate you coming on. Um, and I'll, I'll start with this. Was it a surprise to see Robert Sale move on after being named, you know, Coach of the Year and OC to the, to the NFL? Well, it is a little bit of a surprise because uh, at least for the last three years, Rob Sale's been kind of joined at the hip with uh, Billy Napier. And I think everybody presumed that, you know, whatever next job Billy Napier went to, Rob Sale would be uh, going with him uh, very possibly as his OC, certainly as his uh, offensive line coach. Um, but then, you know, last year, Billy Napier didn't take the Mississippi State job. This year he was in the mix for uh, Auburn and South Carolina. Didn't end up with either one of those. Uh, Tennessee didn't happen. Um, and I think everybody thought that Rob Sale would be playing it out for another year with Billy uh, and just seeing what happens next. Uh, but then this opportunity comes and uh, Rob Sale pounces. Yeah, I'll, you know, obviously they came over from Arizona State. So, um, you know, Billy Billy was the, was the play caller Arizona State. Was he the play caller here too? Because obviously, you know, he had the – the sale had the responsibility o-line coach as well was he you know calling the plays as the oc or more of you know handling the the other stuff oh billy billy most definitely was the main guy calling plays now look rob sale was very involved in it um and, and a big part of uh 
uh, of, of just the structure of everything. But frankly, some of that uh, was was more title than, than function, if you will. And, you know, that was especially the case this season because, as you may or may not know, uh, last August 1st, uh, uh, the Cajuns lost DJ Looney. Uh, Cajuns had uh, basically two offensive line coaches, Rob Sale and, and Coach Looney. And uh, Coach Looney uh, passed of a heart attack uh, on the practice field at Cajun Field uh, during a mini camp practice right before the start of preseason camp. Um, and they never really uh, replaced him during the season. And so I think Rob was a little more involved. Uh, with the old line stuff even more than he was with, with the first two seasons because he lost his his uh, right-hand man. Um, coach Lane was a full-time assistant coach uh, on staff, and those two were, were uh, you know, they were especially close. And so uh, uh, that that was something that, that Rob had to, had to deal with throughout the course of a 10-1 of a season for the Cajuns. Yeah, you know, as, as I scroll through the social media, um, you know, you see, you know, what happened and, and... – and the brotherhood it, it it seemed from the outside looking in that that they shared um you, you talk about him you know being being friendly with him giants wise that you know they had mark colombo who they fired midseason who was he was one of the guys with the office line you know obviously had a playing career was was relatively young and then they replaced him with uh dave de guglielmo who just took the louisiana tech job who was maybe the exact opposite one of the most snarly guys but you know some people liked him where does Sale fall in the personality-wise as, as a coach for these guys? Oh, outgoing and affable, without a doubt. You know, he's, as, as you also probably know, college staffs all kind of have their own different personalities, and there's some of those assistant coaches that you never hear a peep from and, you know, would never go out of their way. Rob will, uh, you know, walk across the parking lot to come over and uh, and say hello. He's, uh, he's, he's that kind of guy. And... Um, um, there's not enough of those types, frankly, around. Um, um, you know, maybe some of the assistants on staff had closer relationships with some of their players than Rob did, but I think uh, the guys who did play from him for him were uh, were generally uh, genuinely happy that uh, that that he was able to to jump at this opportunity. Yeah, yeah, it, it seems like. You know, everything you read, it seems like he was qualified. Now, just some style stuff. Um, you know, I, I went and watched one game through, but that doesn't really tell the whole story. You cover it full time. How? What was the offense, you know, offensive philosophy for, like for the Raging Cajun? Was it a, you know, I see the big rushing numbers. Was it a pounded out? Was it a lot of pulling and, and trapping and finesse? Or was it like, hey, we're going to hit you straight up and, and, and do it all game? Well, uh I hate to use the cop-out answer, but a little bit of all of that sounded a little too much like a coach now, but it really was <laughs> elements of all of it. Uh, they, they love pulling their guards, um, and, and we can get into who they were specifically with the NFL guys in the past, um, uh, but they had one in particular that he just loved pulling. And then this past season, they had a kid who was a freshman All-American in 2019, Osiris Torrance, and he did a lot of the same thing uh, uh, with him as well. You know, it was a spread offense. It played high tempo. Um, but they also were very ground-oriented, all that being said, um, because they put one running back in the NFL this past season as a, a late-round draft choice, Raymond Calle, with the uh, – with the Rams, he's more of a speed guy, return guy. Um, but they got two more uh, that could have come back for 2021, and they both declared for the uh, for uh, this year's draft: Elijah Mitchell and and, and Trey Regis. And um, they relied on those two quite a bit. And a lot of the blocking schemes that they built were to 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 make things work for those two guys. And they all, he's also you know just a huge huge fan of of running behind his strengths and. Um, for the Cajuns, that's been on the right side of uh, of the line the last uh, last couple of years with the with the two NFL guys uh, two years ago, and then this past season with the Cyrus Torrance and uh, a kid named Max Mitchell, who they had on the right side. So um, um, they, they they use a lot of motion in their offense. Uh, Billy likes a lot of uh, eye candy, if you will, um, and so you know that's that's a big part of what they do, but. Because of the skill that they had in running back, um, 
they built a lot of their blocking schemes around uh, uh, making it work for those two. Yeah, Elijah Mitchell's been a name that's been circulating around Giants circles today because of the connection. Um, two other NFL guys, though, that you know were directly under Rob with uh, Kevin Dotson and Robert Hunt, both draft picks in, in last offseason. I mean, is is there any insight to had of of their growth under Rob? I know you know they you know spent their last two years there with him. Was it you know were those guys were like you always thought they might be NFL guys, or, or were they made jumps under Rob? Well, Robert Hunt, second rounder with the Dolphins, um, uh, from a tiny school in the, the, the middle of nowhere, Texas, um, was kind of an under the radar guy coming in and, and he definitely progressed, uh, under the new coaching staff. Um, and you know, the, the same could be sent for Dotson, although I think people knew right away that he was somebody who had, uh, had potential. Kevin Dotson, fourth rounder with the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers, had a nice rookie season, uh, filling in quite a bit when they had uh, injuries and, and COVID issues on that uh, on that Steelers line. Um, uh, Dotson, in particular, uh, credited uh, Rob for a lot of the uh, the development that he had. Uh, Robert Hunt actually missed the entire second half of his senior season, and so um, you know wasn't. It might have even developed into who knows a potential first rounder uh, under sale if uh, um, if he had been allowed to play that the, the the second half of that that senior season. But you know, uh, Rob did, and and Napier didn't recruit either one of them, but both of them definitely uh, not just flourished, but uh, but made strides under him without a doubt. Yeah, and, and you know, I, I I'm I'm someone who focuses on O line play and she where made a name for myself is, is breaking down a line play and, and two of the top guys, Duke Mayweather and Brandon Thorne. I mean, they both sing this guy's praises of the way he develops players. So it's, um, it's good to hear from a Giants perspective. Um, Tim, I thank you for uh, giving me your time. Where can people follow you if they're interested in, in some more raging Cajun news or trying to figure out what's going on with Elijah Mitchell in the draft process? Uh, TDA raging Cajuns on, uh, on Twitter and at the advertiser, uh, com and uh, appreciate you having me. No, thank you, Tim. No holds bad. He was he took me in the low post and won, but I think we had on the varsity. All right, all right. I appreciate uh, my friend coming on. Make sure to go give him a follow. Justin, what do you say we do our inside linebacker review? We have four guys. Let's let's do Devonte that. Downs, David Mayo, Tay Crowder, Blake Martinez. Let's talk about our inside linebacker. I mean, it was a serious upgrade from 2019 a serious upgrade you can argue that Blake Martinez was the biggest upgrade on the 2020 New York Giants like you could say hey James Bradbury best defensive player not from Janoris Jenkins of Bradbury not as big as an upgrade as Mar- as Ogletree to Martinez I really do think it was the biggest upgrade uh, and actually I don't even think that's even a hot take uh, no because it's more it it's the- more of an indictment on Alec Ogletree than it is anybody to be honest yes so let's start <laughs> with Blake Martinez he's 27 years old uh, he has a $10.2 million cap hit this year. If, for some reason, they want to move on from him after this year, um, he would have uh, a $10.5 million uh, cap hit, but with only two million dead cap. So they could cut him if, for some reason, they want to after this year. I doubt that would happen. Justin, he had 151 tackles, nine tackles for a loss, three sacks, one interception. Third in the NFL in tackles. Justin, his understanding for angles, how to be the QB of the defense, really is special. Okay, this guy, he was underrated in Green Bay. I know he, he did have some issues in Green Bay, but, you know, me and Anthony went and watched the video, and it was so frustrating to watch the defenses that, that Green Bay would call. Like, they're leaving this dude on an island. They're asking him to do everything. They're, you know, trying to stop all these deep passes, and teams are just running all over them. Him being able to play behind our defensive tackles, which, you know, like I, I, I argued that they may be the best defensive tackle group in the NFL by the New York Giants. We, we did that on that position re- review, and I feel good about that. Uh, with Patrick Graham, he flourished. Flourished. Third in, the, third in the NFL in tackles. I know you don't just judge by tackles. But his tackles, this idea coming into the season that his tackles weren't real, well, guess what? In 2020, I watched every single tackle. They were real. Every tackle was earned and real for Blake Martinez in 2020, Justin. Yeah, there's not a lot of, you know, usually, you know, Bobby's the film guy. I'm more the metrics guy. 
I mean, there's not really a ton of you know specific player metrics for linebackers. Safeties is, safeties is another tough position to evaluate in terms of, oh, I could tell you that Blake Martinez definitively, you know, by this metric, he is a great player because of this. Well, really, like Bobby said to start off this position review, the proof is in the pudding. The proof is in the pudding about how this Giants defense just performed this year. And, you know, Bobby, I, I kind of want to let you go on, you know, and take the show here about talking about, you know, because of our good defensive linemen, yes, Blake Martinez was allowed to play back in coverage and our linebackers were allowed to play back in coverage. But also, you know, just because, you know, we basically had the same defensive line group last year with uh, Alec Ogletree as our main linebacker, but that doesn't mean that, you know, Alec, oh, Alec Ogletree could afford to play maybe six yards behind the line of scrimmage and we would still feel comfortable and confident in him coming up in the run game and making plays up there. No, Blake Martinez, because of how instinctual he is, because of how athletic he is, and because of, you know, the difference maker that he was on this defense and the familiarity with Graham, too, because they do have a familiarity together. His best years, um, Blake Martinez's best years in Green Bay were when Patrick Graham was the linebackers coach. That doesn't, ha- you know, I know we like to give credit to the defensive tackles, but also... Blake Martinez playing back, but still coming up and making plays in the run game doesn't happen without Blake Martinez being a great player. Yeah, his football IQ is is unreal. He has a very high football IQ. Um, Stanford guy, I don't know if that means anything. But yeah, him, you know, that defensive line group compared to, you know, what Green Bay had. Um, and then not playing a safe Adrian Amos as your second inside linebacker, actually playing your second inside linebacker in Crowder and these other guys we'll talk about. Allowed him to be his best self, paired with Patrick Graham. And like you said, our linebackers as a whole were able to play in coverage because Patrick Graham trusted the defensive line to stop the run. Now, obviously, it doesn't mean like the, Blake Martinez led the you know was had, was third in the NFL in tackles. It wasn't because he was tackling people in coverage. He was coming up and making those tackles. But we stopped teams from gashing us in the run game, like you know we've said, um, similar to you know. Bill Belichick's Super Bowl game plan, something that you, you know, Carl Banks got mad, like said, you were dumb for saying this, but this is the way the Giants played. You give up a little over four yards per carry. You give up a little over four yards per carry, but guess what? You're trusting your guys up front, your dog mollies, and then you're letting your inside linebackers play back in coverage. And guess what? Our linebackers didn't fall for play action like they had in years past. There wasn't crossing routes over the middle in years past. There wasn't, you know, bootleg action that was killing them in, like in years past. It, Blake Martinez and Patrick Graham paired together was a match made in heaven. And it's exactly what, you know, you we've talked about football philosophy-wise. It doesn't mean you're – it doesn't mean, the, like, the Giants – and we had a eureka moment. Just, the Giants having all these defense alignment doesn't mean we're selling out for the run. It means we're trusting those guys to run so we can trust everybody else to stop the pass. So we can pit Blake Martinez, take Crowder back in coverage. And those guys did that pretty flawlessly. Like, Blake Martinez was good in coverage. He didn't, like, you know, where you talked about the difference between him and Alec Ogletree. Alec Ogletree would just sit in one zone and let people come past him. And, and David Mayo and Devontae Downs are similar. Blake Martinez, he'd get into his zone and then find a man to cover. And that's what he did. So, um, it was a huge, it was it was the biggest improvement from 2019 to 2020 was, was Blake Martinez in that spot. I'm going to see something really quick. So, Blake Martinez was credited with allowing 252 yards after the catch. Now, this is pro football reference, and again, this is so debatable because of zone coverage, man coverage, which one is which, how do you track it? But in a year where he allowed 59 completions, and I put this in quotes for the podcast listeners, in a year where he allowed 59 completions, 2019 he allowed 62, 2018 he allowed 45. 2020 was the least amount of yards after the catch he allowed. Now, this is interesting, and that is awesome because of the fact that we talked about Patrick Graham's defensive philosophy kind of playing back, and we talked about this after the Seattle win, how the Giants were keeping everything in front of them. They were not allowing the deep passing play down the field, so then they're keeping everything in front of them. So, That's Blake Martinez's job right there. Blake Martinez, if the Giants defense is keeping everything in front of him, that is his job to cover that intermediate part of the field and make plays and make tackles once guys catch the ball. So I think it's astounding that in a year where that is the defensive philosophy, he allowed 252 yards after the catch, which which was his least amount since 2018, where it was 272, so it was 20 yards less. So I want to compare it to Alec Ogletree. 
<laughs> Alec Ogletree's 2020, um, 2019 season. Let's see. 2019, Alec Ogletree allowed 257 yards after the catch on 44 completions, so less completions. Is that actually the same amount? No. So it was actually okay. Ogletree missed some time, too. He did miss some time. How many games did he miss? He started 13 games, but he did not play all those 13 games. So, all right, it was just a fun little experiment. I thought Ogletree was going to allow a lot of yards after catch. But regardless, it's very impressive to see how Blake Martinez did that, and also his missed tackle rate was the lowest that it's been in three years as well. Um, very impressive when you're making 150 tackles for you to only have 10 missed tackles on the year. I have a take. You know how everyone says he's the best linebacker we've had since Antonio Pierce? Oh, boy. He's better than Antonio Pierce. Oh, boy. He is. He's better than Antonio Pierce. Antonio Pierce, now, we, he's is more revered because we won a Super Bowl with Antonio Pierce, and he was the captain of that defense. But Blake Martinez, to me, is better than Antonio Pierce. I think he's better in the run game. I think he's better in covers. I think he's a better athlete. I th- and, and it's not it's not a knock on Antonio Pierce. Like this this isn't me being like, oh, Antonio Pierce wasn't that good. It's it's talking about Blake Martinez. Blake Martinez to me is better than Antonio Pierce. I also think the linebacker position has changed, especially the inside linebacker position has changed. The more teams are going to a three four, I think there is a tremendous amount of responsibility that is on the three four inside linebacker, especially considering a lot of teams in the NFL, including the Giants are only going to have one interior, one inside interior linebacker on the field at one time, and they're going to have three safeties, three cornerbacks, and three or four defensive line, you know, three or four defensive linemen front, you know, front seven guys. Front four. When was Antonio Pierce robbed of all pro? Um, I will look it up right now. He wasn't. We, when were, were we ever like banging on the table like Antonio Pierce should have been an all pro this year? I don't know. This is a, this is a good question. Like Martinez should have been an all pro inside linebacker this year. He should have been. So, I think we just kind of have been saying all year, it's like, oh, he's the best linebacker since Antonio Pierce. I think he's better than Antonio Pierce. I really do. 2006, Antonio Pierce had 139 tackle year, 109 solo, 10 tackles for loss, three QB hits, one sack. He was awarded, uh, he was uh, voted to the Pro Bowl. Bobby, those numbers sound kind of similar. Did he go all pro that year? That's actually, now that I'm thinking about that, is an awesome year. (laughs) No, no, but I mean, it kind of is a similar year to... Blake Martinez and what Blake Martinez probably had a little bit more QB hits this year. Yeah, he had six. So that's twice as many. Nine tackles for loss. So Pierce had more. Um, yeah. So one year, one year Pierce really did deserve an All Pro. You can argue. Yeah, and and and, and Blake puts these numbers up consistently. You know, I mean, you know the tackles. You know, some numbers are fluctuate, but the tackles are always are always in the one forty to one sixty range for for Blake and, and his young career. So. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't even view that as a hot take. I think Blake Martinez is better than Antonio Pierce. Some people view it as very much a hot take. I don't think I. I just don't. I, I think he's a. I, I think he's a better linebacker. All right, let's talk about the next guy. Yeah. Justin and I felt like I was giving a hot take last offseason with this guy because he's Mister Irrelevant. He was Mister Irrelevant, Justin, and I felt crazy because I was like, if honestly, if this guy got drafted in the fourth, third round. I would have been fine with this. Like, I fell in love with this guy. Like, the only thing I was mad at is they drafted TJ Brunson and Carter Coughlin before him. Uh, more so TJ Brunson. I was like, what are they seeing TJ Brunson that they don't see in Tay Crowder? Why did they draft him before him? And you see a TJ Brunson didn't played maybe like one or two snaps. Tay Crowder. He'll be 24 in a month. He's six foot three, 235 pounds. And nine real games played because he played special teams in some games, but he played nine games at inside linebacker. He had 57 tackles, three tackles for a loss, one sack, and he should have had an interception against the Rams. They, that was a bad call when they they called that back. Justin, that's 6.2 p- tackles per game at a 16 game rate. That's 100 tackles. Uh, the former running back out of Georgia, Mr. Irrelevant, Tay Crowder. Man, I liked him, and he does have some issues, which we'll talk about. But man, what a hit! And as Mr. Irrelevant, I mean, this guy was literally one spot away from being an undrafted player, and now we look at him as a guy who can be our starter going forward in Tay Crowder and a position that was in dire need at one, at one point. I mean, we'll talk about it with Devontae Downs, but that position was in dire need. And there was times Patrick Graham, you know, beginning of the season, we were running a ton of free safety looks. There was a times where Patrick Graham, and especially that 49ers game, he's like, I, I need to put my second inside linebacker on the field, which is, you know, 
not doing that is what we just talked about. Got Blake Martinez in trouble versus Green Bay. And he put downs on the field, and he was just kind of unplayable, but he was forced to play at times. And Tay Crowder came in, filled that role, and I thought did it very nicely. Was he let's let's rank the importance and the significance and the value of the draft picks in the 2020 season. Andrew Thomas, number one. Darnay Holmes also, you can say, had a very tremendous impact. Let's say number two for positional value. Uh, or, or I would just put Holmes number two in general. Ta- Holmes number two. Who would be number three out, out, out of this year? It would be Crowder, right? Yeah, this at this point it would be three. Now, if McKinney can be who we think he can be, he would probably move down to four. And then if Parrott can be a starter, he could be five. But that's not a knock on him, right? But yeah, right now he is. He is number three. You know, Andrew Thomas is the most important. Um, Holmes, you know, we talked about with our cornerback review how how underrated it is that we have our nickel position field going forward. Um, so yeah, he, I mean, he was he was really important, right? Um, with Tay Crowder, but also having and Bobby, you you talk about this a ton. That it's also good that you know one of the things that we need one of the things I feel like we forgot about Blake Martinez. He kind of struggled with injuries for most of the second half of the season. And was there ever a doubt that he was going to suit up for this team? And Bobby, you make the point every summer about the depth of the interior linebacker spot. You're going to be going through the depth chart. Like that is, that is a theme every year because especially, well, you know, that's one of my favorite training camp talking points, Justin is like, Hey, if you're the third, fourth inside linebacker, you are going to play important reps at some point. That's one of my favorite and best talking points, to be honest. Um, training camp wise right so Tay Crowder is so important in that regard you know because we're not always using two and two, two linebackers uh at all times but you know when we are he's reliable but even if Blake Martinez were to go out you know Logan Ryan could kind of take the mantle of being that play caller than then Tay Crowder can just go out there and run around and be as much of an animal as he can and we feel okay about that we feel okay with that so um he definitely does have some room for improvement so why don't we get to that yeah he takes some bad angles in the open field sometimes i i can't remember what game was it where it was just like it was wretchedly bad it's like oh my gosh this guy is just his angles are brutal he was getting killed in the open field um so he needs he needs to get better at that i think the one the only game where i was really disappointed in crowder was the ravens game baltimore yeah and I think that was more coaching, to be honest. Like, I think it really was, like, you could tell his eyes were on Lamar Jackson. So he wasn't turning his zone into man coverage, which he did all year. I really do think that was like, a, hey, we got to contain Lamar. And getting so caught up in containing Lamar uh, running-wise, they let him kill him, you know, slice him in the air. So that was the only game I was frustrated. But, I mean, he makes plays. And, and what I look for, especially next to, especially behind the Giants' defensive line and next to a guy like Blake Martinez – for that number two, Will Linebacker, know your gap, play it fast, loose, and aggressive. In coverage, take chances. Play a man. Sometimes you may vacate the zone and you'll look dumb. But most of the times, you're end up going to stop a QB from getting to the read he wants to get when you do that type of stuff. And that's what Tay Crowder does. Like that, that, that is Tay Crowder, and that's why I fell in love with him after the Giants drafted him, is fast, loose, and aggressive, hitting his gap. Um, and when he gets to play in this giant system, it really looks good. So, um, and that's, that's who Tay Crowder is. Yeah. Um, I also thought he was a pretty good, uh, pass rusher too, for the, for the opportunities that he got. According to PFF, he had 34 pass rushing opportunities and he had six pressures. Now I know PFF likes to overestimate on pressures. Um, the pro football reference gave him four pressures for what it's worth. So 34 opportunities that trying to go at the quarterback and to get a couple pressures in there, I think is good. And, you know, he's an athlete. That is the one thing that we said, you know, coming off of, you know, our, our kind of draft evaluation, you know, I, Bobby, I don't know, you know, Bobby maybe didn't want to make the the long stretch that, you know, maybe he wanted him to be a starter right away. Um, but one of the things that we were saying is that, yes, he is an athlete and I look forward to how, you know, Patrick Graham can continue to use him, in the future, especially as maybe a pass rusher and a guy that gets after the quarterback. I didn't want him to be a starter right away until I saw Devontae Downs play. And then you remember every game day, I was like, I was like, come on, make Tay Crowder active. Activate Tay Crowder. Activate. I mean, I was every day. Um, and part of me not wanting him initially is because we thought we had Conley on the roster, which we um, True. which we didn't. Which I th- I'm, gonna, I'm actually going to bring that up when we talk about Devontae Downs. Okay. 
Let's finish this with Tay Crowder. Are you comfortable with him being the number two inside linebacker going forward? (sighs) Knowing what is around this team that is a big need, edge, cornerback two, forget, you know, not even considering what the offense, yes, I am comfortable with that. Me too. And it doesn't mean we can't upgrade there. Like, it's not like a, oh, like, they don't need don't they don't need to upgrade there like you can upgrade there. I mean everyone knows I'm in love with Chaz Surratt. But if Tay Crowder's our our starter next year, it's not a position I'm worried about at all. Correct. Um, I, I feel good. Don't my only worry would be health. My only worry would be like who's the number three guy behind yep. behind there. So speaking of the number three guy behind there, Justin. David Mayo, twenty seven years old, six foot two, two hundred forty five pounds. Uh signed a you know the three year deal with the Giants last offseason. Uh, so his cap hit this year is 2.3, the year after 2.5 mil. No dead cap, though. No dead cap. Like, you cut him, he's he's gone. No strings attached. He only played 18% of the snaps this year. Um, it was actually less than Devontae Downs, yeah. if you remember. He tore his meniscus in camp the same day as um, Xavier McKinney suffered his injury. But then and missed the first five games, and they kind of eased him back in. He had 29 tackles this year, two tackles for a loss. Justin, Mayo was one of those guys where... I did. People made me not like him because PFF graded him as a good run defender, and I was like, he's really not. He's competent. Like that's 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 what I think that's the best word to describe David Mayo. He's a competent backup. But this idea that he was this good run defender, it wasn't true. I mean, he filled gaps, but he didn't fill them aggressively. Um, he misses tackles all the time in the open field. He's not very good in coverage. But for your third guy, I'm comfortable with David Mayo as the backup, and I think. You know, and unless they need to use that 2.5 mil, uh, I think he should be in the roster this upcoming season. And and he was like he was injured, like he was injured this year. Um, but compared in, you know to the next guy we'll talk about, it was it was um it was an improvement. They also used him on the edge a little bit when we started getting those outside linebacker injuries. So, um, I think Mayo should be on the team unless it's like, hey, we got to unless they absolutely have to make room for somebody. I think Mayo should be on the team. Yeah, there was like two games where he would two or three. No, there was more more than a few games where he was considered to be uh, an outside linebacker. Yes, I do remember this because there were games. I think this was against Arizona, where I had this point. Arizona and Baltimore. Arizona and Baltimore, where they and it was kind of working, where they had all those outside linebackers hurt, and they were using David Mayo out there. And it's like, yeah, he's like a good run defender. Have him out there on first and ten. Um, but before 2019, he was like a, a career special teamer. So knowing how much Joe Judge values special teams, and you know he he may be willing to spend a a penny here and there with Nate Ebner and the Nate Ebners of the world and the David Mayos of the world, and uh, who was that wide receiver that got hurt, Cody Core. So he may be willing to spend a, a penny here and there to have special teams. And even though there's no uh, dead cap, I I also would not be surprised if David Mayo was on the team. I think I'm also fine with that. I think. Well, here, how about this? We got two guys in similar situations: Levine Toilolo or David Mayo. Which one are you cutting? Which one are you take keeping? I'm cutting Levine Toilolo. Yep, me too. And I people thought I was a David Mayo hater last year. Um, it was just PFF for some reason loves him, and I don't get it. Like he's not a he's not a he's not good. Yeah. He's he's a competent backup. Like that is who he is, and 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 to be fair, that's what the Giants have signed him to be is, is to be a competent backup. Yep. Um. But it, I got so frustrated last offseason when everyone was saying this guy's some great run defender. It's like, he's not. He's really not. Like, he'll get you tackles. He'll fill the gap correctly. He won't do it well, but he will fill it correctly. And then in coverage, he was horrible. He was. I think he was a little better in coverage this year. Um, but, yeah. Uh, you know, I got no qualms with David Mayo this year. Yeah. And he's, he's been on the team another year. You feel like you got a little more of a connection with the kid. Um. So he was yeah, partying with all the former 49ers, wasn't he? No. Remember they were having a, a four, like Kittle, Caden Smith. Where do you get you? Are you thinking Levine Toilolo? I'm thinking of giant stories. So, okay. I know what you're thinking of. David Mayo wasn't a part oh, of that. That's tough. Tough for, tough for David Mayo. Tough for Dante Pettis. Yeah. It was a tight end fullback group, Justin. Oh, um, Dante okay. Pettis wasn't going to be, for, uh, uh, <laughs> um, I'm allowed in. All right. Next on the list. Maybe my least favorite guy in the New York Giants. <laughs> like, you'd be like the players like I, I least enjoy the seeing the, the most. 
Devontae Downs. He played 23% of the snaps. He had 33 tackles. Zero tackles for a loss. Zero sacks. Was the starting linebacker going to this year. It is so frustrating to me. And you know what pisses me off so bad, Justin? Is when people will... Because they know the, the Ryan Connolly cutting was one of the few bad decisions, I think, by Joe Judge. Is they'd be like, oh, look what Ryan Connolly's doing in Minnesota. It's like, he's not even playing. It's like, look what Devontae Downs is doing with the New York Giants. He sucks. He's a horrible linebacker. He's the worst He's the worst guy who played for the New York Giants in 2020. The worst player. In coverage, he was incompetent. He was incompetent in coverage. In times, in fact, it wasn't even like he was bad at it. Sometimes he would just miss his assignment. I remember, you know, the the first Eagles game, Jarrell Peppers yelling at him. It's like, yes. dude, you just left your zone completely vacated. In the run game, he didn't do anything. How many times did he get not broken down in the open field? In the hole, this dude got broken down. Like, in the middle of the hole, nowhere for this running back to go, and he would break him down. He didn't feel anything aggressively. He was slow. You would watch the entire defense, and it's like, here's the defense. Here's Devontae Downs, like five, six back. If you're in the open field, God forbid, he would get just made to look silly. He made David Mayo look like freaking Ray Lewis out there as a tackler. So frustrating that they had a guy who they invested a fourth-round pick in Ryan Connolly, who we saw good signs of, was a fan favorite. Was a fan favorite. Was aggressive. Wasn't perfect, but played aggressive. Was is what you wanted out of a linebacker. And they cut him to play Devontae Downs, who, by the way, you know who cut Devontae Downs? You know who cut him? The Minnesota Vikings. The Minnesota Vikings like, we don't want you. We'll take this Connolly guy. So there's very few things that bothered me this year about Joe Judge. Ryan Connolly being cut was 100% one. Like, well, he wasn't healthy. Oh, well, guess what? Let him get healthy. You invested a fourth-round pick in this guy, and you liked what he saw. What from Devontae Downs have you seen to make you think, hmm, that's, I would rather have an injured Ryan Connolly than a, a fully healthy Devontae Downs. End of my rant. Was Connolly, like, a fourth, fifth, or sixth-round pick? I feel like he was a fifth-round pick. It, fourth. He was a fourth-round pick. Sheesh. And the thing with Connolly is that you had Conley for four years. What is Devonte Downs a free agent this year because you sign him for a one-year deal? Nah, if he is, it's it's easy to restrict, you know, exclusive rights. Yeah, That's but but still, I mean, you, you get you get Conley on your team for four years, and you liked what you saw. At least you know we we liked what we saw. And Devonte Downs is kind of like the opposite player of Ryan Conley, uh, a guy that seemed to play hesitant while Conley played aggressive, and you know. If they liked what Tay Crowder brought to the table about, you know, Bobby said being aggressive and filling your gap and taking chances, well, that's what Ryan Conley did. If they liked what Conley they Conley was just shorter Tay Crowder. Yeah, I think just, and also less athletic. But I thought he had better agility. Yeah, okay, sure. Now, an injury may have, have stunted that, right. but it was like, I feel like Conley had the, the right to get healthy from that. But anyways, if you want to hear our Ryan Conley takes, we literally spent 20 minutes after cut day on it. So yeah. if you want to go back in the archives and... And check that out. So, but Devontae Downs sucks, dude. He doesn't even deserve to be the fourth linebacker on this team. No, like he is—he is a very bad football player. Um, you can find better as your fourth inside linebacker. Would we prefer Devontae Downs or Alec Ogletree? Alec Ogletree. Wow. So I'm serious. I'm not even trying to be funny. I'd rather have Alec Ogletree. That's not even a hot take. Um. All right. Anything else, Justin? Before we head out. When's your, uh... Actually, we should announce what the next episode's going to be. Okay, I was going to ask, when's your Chas Surratt breakdown coming out? Wednesday. That That's going to be... I, it's a, over. It's a 30 minutes long. It's a good video. It's breaking down his his, his pass coverage, his run game, and his, his pass rush. Um, I think it's a good video, and I, I think I do a good job explaining it. I spent a good amount of time on it. Um, but what we're going to be doing, um, recording, obviously, Thursday, and I'll be out Friday... We don't do these a lot in the offseason. Voicemail mailbag episode. Voicemail mailbag episode. So we'll put out um, a tweet for mailbag questions and the phone number. But if you want to get your voicemail in now, call 732-443-0862. And if you need to hear that number again, just press the 15 back button. We're not on radio. You can go backwards and, and get that phone number. So, you know, we don't do these a ton in the offseason. We probably end up doing five or six throughout the entire offseason. So get it in. Um, I, I, let's have some fun with it. Let's get a couple of fun ones in there, you know, but we also want to stick to mostly New York Giants football. Yeah, we're going to be getting draft questions. I, I, I know it. So don't, 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 don't leave a voicemail asking who we should draft at 11. 
please. That is the request. If you ask who should we draft at 11, um, if, would we like, ignore a, it? A good, a good question about it would be like, hey, what are the pros and cons of each position sure. at 11? But don't ask us like, like we. That's that's not what this is meant to be. This is meant to be big picture questions, but not just like, hey, who would you, who would you draft? Ask me if I started my draft, uh, draft uh, work yet. You have. Have you started your draft work yet? In terms of watching film and evaluating players, no. But what I'm doing is I'm looking at their personal lives and what they like. So technically, yes. Yes. So basically, here's 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 how we do it because we do have a lot of new listeners. Um, you know, that we didn't, that we didn't have last off season. Don't treat it like a YouTube lives chat. How about that? That's a good way. Don't treat it like a YouTube live chat. Yeah. So, um, anyways, uh, we appreciate you guys. We'll be back, um, on Friday, uh, Patreon. You get to see it on Thursday night. We appreciate you guys. We'll see you then until then let's go big blue. <laughs>